Welcome to the Raised with Jesus podcast, 10 minutes every day where the life of Jesus meets yours. You've got your daily Bible reading today from James chapter 5. James chapter 5. Come now, you who are rich, weep and cry aloud over the miseries that are going to come upon you. Your wealth has rotted, and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will be evidence against you, and will eat your flesh like fire. You have stored up treasure in these last days. Listen, the wages that you failed to pay the workers who reaped your fields are crying out. And the cries of the harvesters have entered the ears of the Lord of armies. You have lived for pleasure on the earth, and led a life of luxury. You have fattened your hearts on the day of slaughter." You condemned and murdered the righteous one. Does he not oppose you? Therefore, brothers, be patient until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the valuable harvest from the ground, patiently waiting for it until it receives the early and late rain. You be patient, too. Strengthen your hearts because the coming of the Lord is near. Do not complain about one another, brothers, so that you will not be judged. Look, the judge is standing at the doors. Brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering with patient endurance. See, we consider those who endured to be blessed. You have heard of the patient endurance of Job and have seen what the Lord did in the end, because the Lord is especially compassionate and merciful. Above all, my brothers, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. Just let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you do not fall under judgment. Is anyone among you suffering? He should pray. Is anyone cheerful? He should sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? He should call the elders of the church, and they should pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will save the sick person, and the Lord will raise him up. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. So confess your sins to one another and pray for one another, in order that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is able to do much because it is effective. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky gave rain, and the land produced its harvest. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders away from the truth and someone turns him back, let it be known that the one who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. This is the word of our God. James concludes his letter here pretty much exactly the same way that he started. He started out um, with a bang. He started out with a blistering rebuke, and he kept it up for pretty much the entire book. You got to admire um, the tenacity, the, the veracity with which he speaks as he addresses the, the sin of the people. And obviously, there's a care for the people because they are... They're losing their faith little by little. They are losing the faith that they have held on to, and they are just being lulled into a sense of security and a sense of sleepiness and thinking to themselves, all is well. I can just do what I want. All I have to do is apply this veneer of of Christian faith, Um, and as long as I know some of the, the facts of the faith, then I can apply that veneer to my life and get the approval for whatever it is that I want to do. And I, I think that is characteristic of much of what passes for Christianity today, which believes, I think, and and this is this is a little bit of a generalization, but I think it is very true for especially for people who are not part of the Lutheran Church, either Missouri Synod or Wisconsin Synod. Um because those are the two churches that by and large still hold to the word of God.
So anyway, I think the majority of Christians in this country or around the world really derive their sense of what God wants from their own inner monologue. I know I've talked about this before, that the God that I want to worship is a God who is awesome, who is fantastic, who is great, who is successful, who pats me on the head and smiles and says that everything is okay, who says that all you have to do is try a little bit harder. All you have to do is actually do whatever you want because I want to approve of that. That is not the fawning God that we worship. And I think Pastor Zeiling talked about that a little bit last week when he talked about moralistic therapeutic deism. Be sure to check out the show notes in today's episode right now uh, for a little bit of a cartoon description of moralistic therapeutic deism. And that's what James is speaking against, where these people were using their own ideas and wants and desires to, to get ahead in life. And thinking that they were getting away with whatever it is that they are doing, um, taking advantage of their fellow man for their own monetary gain. My apologies. Um, it sounds like there's somebody using a tree chipper outside, so it's absolutely perfect timing, right? Anyway, uh, what James is talking about here in James chapter 5, he's encouraging Christians to turn away from the world's callous and brutal pursuit of riches, uh, the world's heaping up of possessions beyond any conceivable need, uh, the world's fat and wanton luxury, wanting to always have things easy and not have to work for it. And he says that the rich live luxuriously under the very shadow of judgment, unmindful of the fact that the last days are already upon them, that the slaughter day of judgment is imminent, that the day on which their treacherously ill-gotten gain and unused wealth will rise up as a witness against them. Um, James says that their gold and silver is corroded, that in a sense inflation has, has struck in a very physical, real manner. And that the dollar or the the pound that used to purchase more, well, it's not purchasing as much as it is now. These people, these wicked, use the law to slaughter the righteous people, righteous man, as they use it to condemn and kill Jesus Christ. And they find in that patient submission of the righteous, the assurance that all is well. That's looking at verses 1 through 6. And especially verses five and six, you have lived for pleasure on the earth and you have led a life of luxury. You have fattened your hearts in the day of slaughter. You condemned and murdered the righteous one. Does he not oppose you? And perhaps that brings to mind um, a famous quote. I don't even know who said it. It's kind of become a truism for some people where they just can can mention it, right? Um, But it's kind of this truism that says the only thing needed for evil to succeed is for good people to do nothing and to say nothing. And that is what James talks about here, that the wages you failed to pay the workers who reaped your fields are crying out and the cries of the harvesters have entered the ears of the Lord of armies. But James isn't saying that all that is needed for the evil to survive and thrive, all that is needed for the wicked to survive and thrive is for good people to do nothing. He says they will not thrive or survive, that even if things look as though they are out of balance now, the Lord of armies sees this. The cries of the harvesters have entered the ears of the Lord of armies. In verse 7 and following, Therefore, brothers, brothers and sisters, be patient until the coming of the Lord. The the farmer waits for the valuable harvest, and he waits patiently. You be patient too. Strengthen your hearts, because the coming of the Lord is near. Don't complain about one another, um, because the judge is right around the corner. But rather, look to the Old Testament for the examples of patient endurance in times of suffering. And so what does this mean for you and me today? What does this mean, and what can we learn from James' final words here in James chapter 5? 
Well, first of all, there's the assurance that things haven't much changed in the last 2,000 years. Those with power or authority will abuse their power or authority for their own personal gain. And that is, that's everywhere. That's in politics. That's in the world around us. That's in the workplace. And um, that's even... Even on a low level, you think of, I just finished a book last week called Milkweed by Jerry Spinelli. He was the same guy who wrote a book that we read in fourth grade called Maniac McGee or something like that. And anyway, in this book, Milkweed, um, it details and follows the, the life of this young child who's living in Warsaw um, during the construction of the Warsaw Ghetto and shortly thereafter. And the observation that this child makes is that those who were enclosed in the ghetto were all in the same rank and they were all victims. But then the captors put some of their own members and made them like the, the police or the local thugs or something like that. And those were the ones who treated their fellow people the worst. And the observation that he makes is that people don't need power or authority in order to act wickedly toward others. And James says, far be it from us. Dear Christian, you are different. You are bought at a price. You have been given life forever with Jesus. You have a future, and you have a Lord who sees the injustice around you. So please pray. Pray and cry out to Him, and also encourage and support your fellow Christian. Let us act in love toward others, because our Lord has said that He will come soon, that He sees the injustice, and that He will watch over you. Thanks so much for joining us. Be sure to tune in for our next episode from 1 Peter chapter 1. And check out the show notes for a link to that little cartoon, which does a really good job of describing what moralistic therapeutic deism is. God bless your day. <laughs>